What happens to Cole Beasley's targets with Des Bryant expected to be back this weekend? Is Rob Kelly or Chris Thompson the correct Washington running back to start on Sunday morning? And should you insert Eric Ebron or Dante Moncrief into your starting lineup as they return from injuries in Week 8? Plus, Tony Pong, better known as Mr. X747, joins me on remote from Taiwan as my co-host tonight to talk about his sixth-place team in the 2016 FFPC main event. We've got a great show for you. Tony Pong is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST Radio Studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream. It's the Eric Balkman Show. Thank you very much, Rob, and an early happy Halloween to you, my friend. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is on vacation this week, but sitting in for him tonight is an FFPC dynasty and redraft veteran of five years and fantasy football player since 2004. He currently owns the sixth-place team in the FFPC main event, and he joins us live from Taiwan right now. You know him better as Mr. X747, owner of the Team X747 franchise. Please welcome in my co-host for tonight's show, Tony Pong. Tony, good morning to you. Morning, Eric. What's up? It's uh, what is that? Ten o'clock there in in Taiwan right now? Yeah, it's ten a.m. right now. Ten a.m. Well, this is fantastic that uh, you have already welcomed in Saturday. We are going to be getting to Saturday in just a few short hours here. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll tell you what San Diego tight end you should start this weekend, what players you should bench in the high-scoring Green Bay Atlanta game, and should you be selling Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins in Dynasty right now? Shout out to the chat room. Uh, feel free to post any questions you might, just might have in there. However, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. You can uh, definitely chime in and talk with us tonight at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAMEOVER. Uh, the inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now's the time to send those in. Our producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer Bryce, will definitely get those to us uh, later on in the fantasy feedback section of the show. Uh, Special plug for uh, my other show, The High Stakes Lowdown. You can listen to that at rotoviz.com slash radio. Wayne Ellis was the guest this past week. You know him as Colts fan uh, in, the, in the FFPC and certainly on the message boards. Uh, it uh, was a fun time. We got to talk uh, about Wayne's uh, blueprint, his draft blueprint, uh, and then uh, sort of how he builds his teams. And he has certainly uh, won a lot of money in high stakes fantasy football, over uh, twenty grand in the FFPC alone, so he knows what he's doing. Definitely give that a listen. 
it was a lot of fun. Another guy who clearly knows what he is doing is sitting in as my co-host tonight. Tony, I don't know how many times uh, people, you know, I, I facilitate or, or commission these online football guys drafts or, or FFPC drafts or, or the, um, you know, the high stakes ones uh, live in Vegas. So we'll have a proxy and your team will be in there as team, team X747. I don't know how many times people said, who is this guy? I, you know, like, I have not, I've never met him. I don't know who he is. But now tonight you're sort of revealing yourself to, to the rest of the FFPC players that don't already know you. Yeah. We, uh, we, we, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we're, we're excited to pick your brain tonight because, uh, you've obviously had a lot of success in the FFPC. You've won, uh, definitely a a lot of cash. You have a ton of, of teams this year. So you certainly have a lot of draft experience that we, uh, we want to get, uh, you know, your Intel on as we move toward this, uh, second half of the, uh, FFPC season. When you're not playing fantasy football, tell us uh, what you're doing, uh, over there in Taiwan. Well, I'm sort of semi-retired now, probably consider myself a full-time dad, but I do some uh, importing here and there if the price is right, but uh, I don't really occupy myself with a nine-to-five job that, you know, holds me up. And clearly that gives you uh, a lot of time to put in waivers, make lineup changes. Uh, how is it for for the time difference for when the games start uh, here uh, in uh in, in the United States, does it ever pose any issues with you with, uh, with submitting lineups or getting waivers in? Uh, I try to be an Ironman, but around the 4 a.m. game, I'm usually knocked out. So uh, the active inactive list uh, that goes up like 90 minutes before kickoff, if I miss those, then it's just tough luck, you know. I can't wake up right, around right, 4 or 5 right. a.m. To, to submit my, uh, my lineups for those. Well, well, let's talk about um, what you've done so far this year up until this point. If you look at uh, the main event team that is in sixth place coming into this week of, of action, you really utilize the zero RB strategy uh, pretty well there. Uh, you get A.J. Green, Mike Evans, Dante Moncrief, Doug Baldwin, Cam Newton, and Emmanuel Sanders to start off that draft with your first six picks. And, you know, that's definitely a really solid start, but I think the home runs you hit uh, were in the 7th and 8th. You get Melvin Gordon in the 7th, Spencer uh, Spencer Ware in the 8th, and then for good measure in the 11th round, you get Jay Ajayi as well. So clearly it worked out for you in this draft. Have you been applying the zero RB strategy uh, to a lot of your drafts, not only this season, but maybe last season as well? Well, I'm not really a big zero RB guy, but uh, this draft has just sort of fell to me that way. Uh, I was locking in Mike Evans in round two, but besides that, everyone else was just like, the guy I really wanted was gone, and uh, I just made the best pick I thought that was available. So for you, it's not not, not necessarily you know trying to get um, a certain amount of receivers or a certain amount of running backs at a certain point. You literally are just taking the, the guy that you think is going to have the best year uh, in, in fantasy at that point in the draft. And I suppose, you know, with the FFPC, having that double flex and only having to start two running backs, two receivers, it, it gives you a little bit more of a free reign, more free flexibility to, to draft that way, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I love the dual flex. Uh, you can start three tight ends if you want to. And with FFPC, the 1.5 uh, reception points you get, it's a big, it's a big plus. And, uh, with starting, you can start four running backs, four receivers, three tight ends. It's definitely a wide range of strategy you can have to uh, put your weekly lineup in. 
one of the uh, the guys that you have enjoyed a productive run on so far this season has been Cole Beasley. He is, uh, again, also on that sixth-place squad. What do you think, uh, as you sort of break down the Dallas passing game and how it changes with uh, Des Bryant expected to be back this weekend for the Sunday night game against the Eagles, how does the passing game, how, does the, how do the targets change? I mean, obviously Des Bryant will be getting – uh, a good number of targets in that offense. Who's he taking them away from? Is it, is it Witten? Is it Beasley? Is it somebody else? How do you see the Dallas passing game changing with the uh, return of Des Bryant this weekend? I think it's going to be uh, much better for them. I mean, you having your stud receiver back, uh, but I don't think it's going to take away from Beasley or Witten. I think it'll probably take away from uh, Terrence Williams. Uh, I think actually uh, it'll open up more passing plays for Cole Beasley and Jason Witten with uh, Des Bryant back in the lineup. I think you could probably make the case that with Bryant's return, maybe Elliott's touches go down a little bit, but maybe he actually is more efficient with them because Bryant opens up uh, much more, uh, he, you know, he needs to be accounted for much more than Terrence Williams or, or whoever was filling in uh, for that uh, for that time when Bryant was out. Certainly with the defense having to account for Bryant more, maybe Elliott has fewer touches, but maybe he does more with them going forward now. Yeah, he might lose like five to six touches per game, but you're talking about having Des back in his – Dallas offense was already good with Des gone for these past few weeks, and with him back, it's just going to be uh, that much more dangerous. Uh, I'm really – High on Dallas moving forward this season, I actually think they're going to go deep into the year. Yeah, they certainly look good. The defense has looked good as well. Dallas uh, definitely is a team that will be playing for uh, for some uh, some pretty significant playoff positioning in late December and uh, will certainly be there in January. Let's talk about uh, two teams that probably will not be playing in January this year, and that's the Browns and the Jets, specifically Josh McCown. Uh, it sounds like he's going to get the start this week at home against New York. It's obviously a great matchup for the passing game for the Browns. What kinds of numbers do you think that Terrell Pryor and Gary Barnage actually put up this week with the more seasoned McCown under center versus Cody Kessler, who was, uh, who was still obviously a rookie? I think Pryor's kind of tricky with a hamstring issue, but uh, Barnage definitely see a big upgrade in uh, targets and maybe his stat line, but I think both teams are going to run the ball a lot. So uh, I don't think they're going to have uh, a win you week, but definitely they're going to have uh, much better numbers and targets with uh, Josh McCown at quarterback. Pryor's coming off that hamstring injury too, so I, I think that you could make the case that uh, uh, Cleveland will not necessarily want to put a ton on his shoulders as he is, is sort of back to full health. You have a pretty good uh, pair of running backs back there in, in Kroll and, and Duke Johnson that Cleveland's uh, obviously been using quite a bit this year and, and trying to control game uh, the game clock. And I think in the past, Cleveland really hasn't been um, able to do that because they have been going up against more talented teams than there. But I think New York uh, comes to town this weekend, and you can see more of an opportunity for them to keep the Jets' offense off the field um, you know, with, with Fitzpatrick throwing the ball around and, and uh, you know, certainly not taking as good a care of it as I'm sure the Jets would like. Uh, Cleveland maybe has the horses to match up more so with the Jets this weekend, and maybe it is 
uh, game where people get super excited about Pryor and Barnage, but they're actually disappointed because it's more of a Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell game. Uh, Tony, let's uh, let's get back to uh, when you started playing the FFPC. I believe this is uh, year number four for you now, year number four or five. Um, what was the biggest adjustment? Uh, you, you still play in your hometown league, but what what was the biggest adjustment when you were just switching over from your basement league, your hometown leagues, to the high-stakes industry, to that level of competition in the FFPC? What was the biggest adjustment that you had to make to become successful and, and achieve the su- success that you have achieved so far? Um, being Playing with my hometown league, uh, a bunch of friends I grew up with, to FFPC, you know, everybody's pretty talented and good. Uh, FFPC, I think they're a premium tight end uh, format. We get one and a half points, so tight ends definitely get a boost. And uh, with the dual flex, I think you just kind of have to let the draft fall to you because you're going to have different players in your league reaching for different positions. You just got to stay patient and just let the draft come to you. We have a question in the chat room here from uh, Mint Montana. He wants to know... Uh, who we would start this week between Tyrell Williams or Isaiah Crowell at Flex. Tyrell Williams, of course, uh, at Denver this weekend, taking on that tough secondary. Isaiah Crowell, as we just discussed, at home against the Jets. He's got to pick one of those guys for his Flex. It, this is close for me, but it, it's going to be tough for me to to say Tyrell Williams um, going up against, you know, Tlaib or, or uh, Harris or, or whatever corner uh, is going to be on Williams. It's tough for me to say him over Crowell, even though that Jets uh, run defense is pretty good. I think I'm going to go Crowell over Tyrell Williams. Tony, which one would you start? Uh, exactly what I would go with. I'm going with Crowell because I think the Cleveland Browns are going to run the ball a ton this week. So, uh, yes, like you said, Williams uh, is going to be facing the Denver defense, and I think Denver uh, – have that revenge factor from losing to the Chargers a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm not going to start Williams. I will go with Correll definitely. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree. And uh, certainly people who have started receivers against that Denver secondary more often than not end up disappointed that they did so. Uh, we have Tony Pung here. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right after this on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Eric Balkman coming at you today with the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, Dave Gerzak on vacation this week, but sitting in, pinch hitting, if you will, make a World Series reference, uh, is Tony Pong, Mr. X747, co-hosting tonight with me. So excited to have you here. And, you know, most of the show we've talked about so far has been redraft. Obviously, we are in the thick of the redraft season right now, Tony, but you play in a lot of FFPC dynasty leagues as well. Uh, I look at two players this season that were both first round picks in the FFPC, two guys who are very high on dynasty lists. Uh, You know, anytime you go to an advice site, uh, these guys are always right up there as top 10 dynasty players, but they haven't been doing so hot this season. DeAndre Hopkins, Todd Gurley. I'm not sure if you own them anywhere. Uh, obviously, the, both of these teams have made pretty significant investments in their quarterbacks uh, this year. Brock Osweiler gets the Brinks truck to come quarterback that offense in Houston. So you know that Houston uh, wants Osweiler to be throwing to Hopkins for the next several years, maybe a decade. Uh, Jared Goff, the number one overall pick, has yet to see the field in Los Angeles. He is supposed to be quarterbacking the Rams for the near future. 
with uh, Todd Gurley as the running game there, with DeAndre Hopkins as a big part of the passing game in Houston. It's tough to be really excited about these guys right now. What about long-term and dynasty? If you own either of these guys, what are you doing with them? Well, you can't really trade either of them. I mean, they're not really living up to their uh, preseason potential and the way they can play. I think you got to hold. They're both young. Uh, shouldn't be too nervous. But if you get a right price for, say, Gurley, I would definitely move them. Uh, the Rams are looking nowhere close to being explosive on offense. So I would, if I can get fair market value for Todd Gurley, I'll move him. Uh, Hopkins, Brock, nah, he's not worth $72 million, but, you know, uh, give him a little more time. I think New can, you know, put up some solid numbers second half of the season. I got to believe that, you know, you know we, we see this all the time when, when players – have to adjust to new offenses, new new uh, new coaches, new teams. In Osweiler's case, I mean, it, it's all three. So I, I think uh, selling low on Hopkins right now would probably be a mistake because I think his uh, his value should go up. Uh, you know, I don't know about the second half of this year, but definitely uh, in the off season, he will be a prime bounce back candidate. Gurley, it it could be. You know, I was trying to think what show I was listening to this week. I think it was on the couch from Football Guys with Sigmund Bloom, and. Um, Ah, who was the guest? It was from Pro Football Focus. I think Mike Taglier it w- was, was the guest. Help me out, chat room, if, if, if you know. But he was saying, with Gurley, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Because when you make the transition from Case Keenum to Jared Goff, all of a sudden there's going to be growing pains with Goff there. And now whether that happens this year or next year, I think if you're a Gurley owner, you're hoping that it happens this year, that Goff can get uh, some reps and get his, uh, his feet wet in this offense. Uh, but I think that you look at, at Gurley, he could actually be underwhelming again next year as well. So I think that's a guy, if, you don't necessarily have to sell him for you know, 50 cents on the dollar. But, Tony, like you said, if, if you get a, an offer, even if you're taking a little bit less than, than what you perceive his value is, it might be the right decision for your dynasty team long term. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, it's, I mean you look at uh, Elliott in Dallas, I mean, he got his awesome – offensive line you know you got a quarterback that's making plays I mean with the Rams I don't see I don't see them getting better like within the next year or two so if someone's willing to offer you like a player within the same tier or maybe a little less like you said 80 cents on the dollar I'll definitely uh trade them ASAP Mint Montana uh totally stealing the uh the SOS questions tonight he has another one at quarterback he has to uh, decide between uh, Philip Rivers or Alex Smith. Obviously, we, we talked about the Chargers-Broncos game. Philip Rivers taking on the Broncos in Denver. Alex Smith uh, has uh, a pretty juicy matchup, although it is on the road. Alex Smith at Indy. Uh, again, it's tough for me to pick the guy going against that Broncos pass defense. So I would pick Alex Smith as the guy to start over Rivers this week. Tony, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you with Alex Smith as well. I mean, they're playing against a soft Colts team. You got to like him. I mean, he can't throw the ball deep, but a little screen pass to where he take it to the house. You know, it's as good as a 50-yard bomb. Rivers, he beat Denver not too long ago, and his numbers weren't too good in that game. So I'm not expecting Rivers to put up any major numbers playing in Denver this week. Yeah, that game, the, the first game obviously was in San Diego. They go to Denver this week. I'm, I'm not expecting big things uh, from Rivers. And, and Spencer Ware looks great. And I, I'm still waiting for the Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin breakout games. Maybe they both have them 
this weekend against Indy. I'm playing Alex Smith. Uh, Dynasty trade. I'm going to selfishly, again, like what I like to do on this show is use it for my own personal gain. So I'm going to ask you, Tony, about a, a Dynasty trade that I offered in one of my private leagues to actually a guy in the chat room right now, too, Packer, who feels that it is quite unfair. I'm not going to say who offered who, but one side in this deal is getting Chris Conley, Tyler Lockett, and a fourth-round pick. The other side is getting Alan Hearns and a second-round pick. First question, is it a fair deal, Tony? Second question, what side would you rather have? I think it's uh, fair. I don't think it's lopsided, but unless your team is in really bad shape, I would say the Alan Hearns side with the second-round pick is probably uh, the choice I would make because FFPC Dynasty have a small roster. And during offseason, cut down to 16, and you got to require to carry a kicker and a defense. Uh, I don't think any team should carry uh, Chris Conley. So, and I see Tyler Lockett and Alan Hearns in the same tier, so I'd rather have the second-round pick myself. So if I was to tell you that this was a 22-man dynasty roster where you got to um... – you know, your your roster can balloon up to however big you want it in the off season. Would that change you uh, your opinion at all? That you know that you could keep Conley and Lockett pretty easily in in, in this twelve team league. Well, it depends how you see Chris Conley. I mean, with Alex Smith, he's not going to throw the ball a ton with uh with the Kansas City offense. Uh, I think he's a good player, but I think until Kansas City move away from their game planning each week, Chris Conley is not just going to have the the potential that a lot of people see in him. All right, fair enough. Well, I would be getting Hearns and the second-round pick in that deal. I don't think two-packer is going to accept, but, you know, it's all about opening up a trade dialogue, so hopefully we can, uh, we can do something here. Uh, Tony, you, you know, you're, you're in a bunch of FFPC leagues. You have to make lineup decisions in, in the, uh, the non-draft experts ones. As you look over your lineup uh, before the Thursday night game, as you look over your lineups now uh, going forward into uh, the Sunday games, are you facing any tough lineup decisions? I mean, if you want to talk about the sixth-place main event team, that we could definitely do that. But are you facing any tough lineup decisions yourself that you haven't made up your mind on yet? Uh, I wouldn't say I have any tough decisions. Uh, I usually just start my best player. I mean, there was this one team that I had running backs injured on bye weeks, and I have to, like, shove Derrick Henry into the starting lineup, and I got lucky, and, you know, he got, like, 19 points or something. But uh, I don't really have any tough lineup decisions this week besides, uh, you guys going to laugh, besides defenses. I stream them every week, and I'm looking at, like, Cleveland, New Orleans, Chicago, Tampa. But besides that, uh, I'm pretty pretty okay with my uh, lineups this week. I'm curious if you had, if you like to stream defenses, did you have any leagues where you had the Titans defense going uh, this week hosting, uh, or excuse me, not hosting, but, but taking on the Jaguars last night? Actually, I didn't. You didn't? Okay. Because the Titans actually, because I'm with you, I like to stream defenses, and the two of, the two of them that seem to be most um, available to me this week that I really wanted were both the Titans and the uh, – and the uh, New York Jets. And I, I think I got the Jets in one league, and I didn't get the Titans anywhere, uh, which was I was kind of ticked off about um, up until halftime last night. But, you know, you looked at gar- – I mean, Blake Bortles really redefined garbage time last night in that game. He, I watched <laughs> the game, and I couldn't believe how bad he looked, it just, just from the eye test. I mean, there was no consistency on his arm angle. 
there was no consistency in in the way he was delivering the ball to his receivers. Some of the worst passes I've ever seen. And for anybody who didn't watch the game, they look at at the um, the final box score and they see Blake Bortles had uh, 337 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it was just the worst NFL performance, best fantasy performance I think you could have gotten from a quarterback last night with Bortles. Tony, do you have any? I mean, do you have any thoughts on what's wrong with Bortles? Because it really seems that he's driving that Jacksonville offense and really that Jacksonville team into the ground. I can't believe the difference from what we saw of him last year with how bad he's regressed in 2016. Yeah, uh, it's a sad reality with fantasy football and real life football. He was horrible on Thursday night. Uh He's also the player that's been holding back, I think, a lot of uh, fantasy studs like Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. If he's not hurt, they got to make a decision to cut him. I mean, you look at half of his throws, they were like a foot away from the receivers. I mean, you have a 6'4 dude and Allen Robinson, throw it up, let him make a play. And he's not doing that. Something's definitely wrong with him. And I think, yeah, he is a bad quarterback this year. Yeah, and the thing is with Robinson last night, um, and we're going to get into him a little bit later on in the show. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into him a little bit more in depth. But six catches to 70 yards, and honestly, he worked for those six catches. I mean, they were not easy catches that he had to make. He was going down to scoop them up. He was jumping up to catch them. I mean, Bortles was spraying them all over the place. We'll, we'll get to, to more Allen Robinson uh, a little bit later. Uh, Mint Montana actually chiming in in the chat room. He said he read an article about Bortles. That he didn't put the time in. During the offseason, the owners ticked that the coach didn't uh, press him to be more of a harder worker in the offseason. I didn't read that article, but I also heard uh, a similar thing saying that the time that Bortles put in between his rookie year and his second year in the NFL, um, going into his second year, he he worked a ton. Uh, And then you you come into this season, and I guess the offseason, he just did not do the same preparation, did not put in the work, and it's really showing right now, and the Jaguars are suffering for it. Let's get to a couple of emails here, uh, specifically for you, Tony. I want to read them. Um, We'll get to more emails later on in the show, but let's get to a couple right now. Jason in Grafton, Illinois, writes, Hello, Mr. X747. We haven't seen a ton from Kaepernick yet, but what receivers or tight end would you want to own from San Francisco for the rest of the year. That's Jason in Grafton, Illinois. Uh, the, the candidates I think uh, that we would be talking about would be uh, Vance McDonald, Torrey Smith, Jeremy Curley. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody else that you'd be interested in, uh, Tony, or maybe you're not interested in owning any of those guys in that offense. What's your opinion on the pass catchers in San Francisco? I wouldn't want any one of them on my team, to be honest. I mean, even if you have one of them, are you really going to start them? Probably not. So why waste a roster spot? I would rather pick someone up that have the potential to go off in like three, four weeks or something. But if if you're going to make me pick, I'll probably say I'm a Thano, the tight end, but I wouldn't want any of them. Probably choose one of those running backs, you know. At least they're guaranteed with like five, six catches a game. That's how I really see the San Francisco offensive ball. Outlook right Hyde now. is act, you know Hyde's been having a pretty good season. I know he missed the last game, but in that game that he missed, Mike Davis and, and Sean Drone both had pretty good games. Uh, so I think you can make the case that um, when Hyde is healthy, I mean you can plug him in your lineup. When he is not uh, in a good matchup, I think that either Davis or Drone has some value. Remember, six teams on by this week, six teams on by next week. 
Uh, so there's certainly uh, some value in those running backs. Vance McDonald, you obviously have the advantage of him being a tight end. You'll get those extra points for, for catches in the FFPC. But honestly, uh, Kaepernick did not look a ton to Jeremy Curley. And uh, Torrey Smith is still that, that big play guy that, you know, he's a good draft experts guy. But if he doesn't catch that 50-yard touchdown, he holds very little value for you this year. Lee in Waco, Texas writes, have we seen the league winner in fantasy leagues yet this season off the waiver wire? Is it Devontae Booker? Well, he wasn't off the waiver wire, but he was still uh, not a highly drafted player. Or do you think someone better will come along before the three-week end-of-season championship sprint? Good luck this year. That is Lee in Waco, Texas. So, Tony, I don't, I don't, what, you know, we'll talk about Anderson and Booker and the, and the Broncos running backs coming up in the fantasy flash, but if you look at um, the past few years, there always seems to be this league winner that uh, really did not have a whole lot of value until the second half of the season. Odell Beckham comes to mind uh, for sure uh, as a player that really helped people win leagues. Uh, I think of, um, you know, uh, way back in the day, Dave always likes to bring up Arlen Harris, the third string running back for, for the St. Louis Rams at the time. <laughs> Uh, just was not owned all season. The Rams' top two running backs get hurt. I think that was a Falk and Steven Jackson year. Arlen Harris steps in, and uh, he ends up winning fantasy championships down the stretch. Has that guy presented himself? Do we know who he is? Is it Devontae Booker, or don't we know who the league winner is going to be yet this season? I think someone's always going to uh, pop up a few weeks before the fantasy playoffs, and it's going to bring someone the, the cash price to win their league or the championship tournament, but... Uh, Booker's looking real good with the news that C.J. Anderson uh, got hurt. I think he got top five potential. If I were to bet, I'll probably say he got a top eight RB uh, potential for the rest of the season, unless C.J. Anderson come back in like three weeks and you know start taking away carries again. So he could it's be gonna that be guy, interesting. but we need to. No, he could ahead, be no. that guy, but we need to see. We need to see at least a few games before we you know give Booker that. Uh, that title of being that guy off the waiver wire or, you know, from a late round draft pick. But I think he got a, he got the potential. I could see it. You know, it's the Denver running back situation uh, is going to be an interesting one to watch you know, starting now until the game on Sunday afternoon, because the Broncos are expected to make a decision about C.J. Anderson uh, sometime tonight or or tomorrow about whether they're going to put him on injured reserve. There's been a lot of conflicting reports out there of what Denver's going to do. They have not IR'd him yet, and uh, Adam Schefter actually had a report today saying that, hey, he could be back in four weeks. Now, if that's the case, Booker certainly loses some of his value if Anderson does come back in week 12 and they go back to splitting time. He's not the type of guy who's going to be getting 20 to 25 touches a game, so you have to keep an eye on that. Now, if Anderson is IR'd and Booker goes out in a game against San Diego where the Chargers' rush defense is certainly nothing to write home about, uh, and Booker goes out and has you know 20 carries for 140 yards, four catches, uh, for another 35 yards, and, and maybe he scores once or twice, then all of a sudden, okay, now we're looking at a potential league winner with Booker because he is going to get those touches that league winners are required to get, top echelon running backs are required to get to maintain that value. So, uh, obviously, I'm not breaking anything here. Everybody knows that Denver running back, the Denver running back situation is an exciting one to watch in week eight. Let's get to the um, uh, final uh, opening question I have for you, Tony, and we'll get to a break. Give us an early round stud that you think people should seriously consider benching this week, uh, as well as a player that not many people will probably be starting in week eight that you think will 
actually have a pretty good performance. Um, I normally don't suggest benching any of your uh, early studs, but uh, I would say Des Bryant, uh, Dante Moncrief. Both guys are coming back from injury their first week. I mean, you probably uh, did pretty well the last few weeks or found a replacement for them. So I would sit them one more week just in case. You know, they're not fully healthy. They come in and give you like a four-point week and kills your whole team. But uh, a guy that is, no one's really talking about, I would think it's uh, Robert Kelly. Uh, he's going to be the starting running back for the Washington Redskins after Matt Jones uh, is ruled out. I am actually going to play him in a few of my teams. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to a big week from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad we have clarity on that situation. Um, yeah, I know it's it's an it's an early London game uh, starting at, at 930 uh, Eastern time on Sunday morning. But it's good to know that already that we know Matt Jones is out that we know that Rob Kelly, based on what Jay Gruden has said in the past, uh, that he will be getting the, the starters' uh, touches. We'll break down the Washington running back situation uh, and how Chris Thompson comes into the fold. Uh, that's all coming up later on in the second half of the show. We do need to get to a break here, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, co-hosted by Mr. X747, Tony Pong. We're going to come back. With Fantasy Flash, talk about the news and injuries going around the NFL. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My co-host Dave Gerzak, the Dizzle, out this week, but Tony Pong, Mr. X747, sitting in for him tonight, pinch hitting uh, for the Dizzle, for the patron saint of fantasy football. Let's get to uh, tonight's rundown and break down some of these injuries, running back roles that are going to be going on this week, uh, this weekend, I should say. I want to thank Roto World and Rob for putting this to, uh, rundown together. We touched on it earlier, but NBC Denver reports that C.J. Anderson's injury is a significant right meniscus tear. There's hope he'll be ready for the playoffs. Now, that's an older report from NBC Denver earlier on uh, today, which is Friday. Devontae Booker obviously sliding in. As the number one running back in Denver, Capri Bibbs becoming the new handcuff. Let's talk about Booker uh, right away. I think I know what you're going to say, Tony, on this. There's been a lot of hype uh, of Booker you know, being talked about as a top five guy, top ten guy. You said top eight guy. And I think it's very difficult for me to think that this guy is going to somehow fall flat on his face um, with the amount of volume that Denver is, is slated to give him. With what we've seen so far this season, that he has been extraordinarily efficient handling the ball, both you know, running it and catching it, you know, the odds that this guy is not a top 10 guy the rest of the way, you know, barring injury, they're, they're small. I think he is going to be a massive addition uh, for anybody's fantasy roster. And certainly, hopefully, if, if you got Anderson – uh, you already added Booker, but if you just got Booker um, without Anderson, this is, I mean, kind of a lottery ticket winner. Yeah, I think Booker's uh, it could probably win some people some uh, some of their leagues. I mean, from the, what we've seen from him, he could run, he can catch. I mean, uh, he's kind of explosive. He's going to have to workload Denver's uh, system offensively is to run the ball, bootleg action. So he's, yeah, he's going to be amazing. Uh, it's kind of sad out of all the teams I have. I don't own one share of them, but definitely uh, I expect big things. And I'm probably going to uh, try to make some trades for him in Dynasty Leagues this week. 
I, I look at the, uh, you know, the handcuff situation. Anderson goes down, Booker moves up to the number one, um, and ostensibly you would think that Capri Bibbs is the number two in Denver. And normally I don't get too excited about a handcuff unless he has shown that he is able to shoulder the load. Now, the stuff I've read um, and listened to since the Anderson injury, it sounds like Bibbs um, would be leading the committee uh, if Booker were to go down, he would be leading that Denver running back committee, uh, him and Juwan Thompson. You would probably want to own Bibbs out of the two, but how valuable is Bibbs right now, If even if you do own Booker? I mean, is he a guy, if you did own Booker in any of your leagues, is Bibbs a guy that you would look at acquiring? Uh, I've, as a cuff only, I don't think he's going to get any meaningful uh, snaps. Maybe a little breather for Booker after like 12 carries, but mm, I wouldn't blow my uh my blind dollars on him i'll probably just put in like a low bid if i get him i get him i mean if i don't have a roster space and on my team in one of those leagues i won't even bother adding him tony uh aunt jemima in the chat room right now uh is in an ffpc dynasty with you and he owns booker so he wants to get the trade the trade talks rolling already uh, so definitely send him an email after we get done with the show tonight. Hopefully you guys can consummate a Booker trade. Yeah, a little shout-out to AJ. He's actually uh, one of the teams in my first Dynasty League with FFPC. Good guy, very good guy. We can talk after the show, AJ. All right, perfect. So there you have it. Uh, uh, just, uh, you know, bringing people together is what we do uh, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football. Our Aunt Jemima, by the way, former guest of the show as well. Uh, let's talk about the Washington running back situation. Tony, Matt Jones, been ruled out for the London game against Cincinnati. Rob Kelly has been working with the starters in Washington at practice this week in England. Chris Thompson uh, handling the third down role, the passing game role uh, of the running backs there in Washington. Uh, both are definitely uh, guys that we need to talk about here. Uh, you said that you're already starting Rob Kelly in a few of your leagues. Do you own Chris Thompson anywhere? And knowing that Matt Jones is out, is there any value for Thompson as uh, maybe a number two flex guy, knowing that he probably will be involved in the passing game this weekend? Actually, uh, I'm starting actually both of these players on quite a few teams. Wow. Uh, Chris Thompson. Yeah, actually, yeah, because, you know, some of these teams, the way the draft falls, you know, I, I'm getting running backs in, like, the 10th round, 11th round, and Chris Thompson happens to be there. And, you know, it's, he's a good PPR back. Uh, I'm starting him, I think, on two teams, if not three. And Rob Kelly, I'm also uh, throwing in, uh, I think, two teams in the starting lineup. I, uh, I really like Robert Kelly. Uh, I think he's a more explosive, a quicker uh, back than Matt Jones. And Chris Thompson in that offense, he's going to get his catches. He's going to get his work. I think they're both good plays against uh, Cincinnati. If I was to ask you what the percentage chance is that Matt Jones does not get this job back when, when he's healthy again uh, and that Rob Kelly actually takes over, if you do believe he is the more talented guy, uh, percentage chance that Rob Kelly actually keeps this job for the rest of 2016? I'll give him like a 60% chance. I mean, if he shows up this game, Against Cincinnati, there's no reason Matt Jones get his job back. I mean, what have you done this year? What have you done last year? You know, and Rob Kelly definitely, to me, when I watch him on TV, looked like the more explosive back. So, I think for me, before I saw Rob Kelly really play, I was always of the impression that he was sort of like a slow, like a Matt Asiata type. You know, just like 
uh, because he, I, you know people don't talk about him as a, as a pass catcher at all. He's a banger between the tackles. And then I actually watched him play. And he does, I mean, he is a pretty athletic, I mean, he's a bigger guy, but he is a pretty athletic guy as well. And I think that people, you know, we saw Matt Jones fall in drafts this year for whatever reason, you know, the fumbling or, or, or you know, underperformance last year. Um, and people were, were really slow to pick up Rob Kelly at the end of drafts, and, and he was sort of added, I would say, in the last month in a lot of leagues off the waiver wire where he was still available. So definitely, if you have Kelly and maybe you don't have a spot for him on your roster this week. I know I'm starting him in a couple of leagues. Um, I, I, he's a guy to keep your eye on. I would not cut him even if he underperforms this week. I think that there is something there with Rob Kelly. Moving on to the Buffalo running backs, LaShawn McCoy uh, remains sidelined again at practice today. Now, if you remember last week, a lot of people thought he was not going to play. There was talk that he would be out weeks and not just that weekend. And McCoy uh, definitely... Uh, got pushed by Buffalo. He ends up playing last week, leaves with an injury, but he practiced last Friday. He did not practice this Friday. Uh, McCoy probably not playing this week. I would think that Mike Gillisley will get the start against New England. Uh, let's forget, I mean, I'm assuming McCoy is out, so let's talk about how this Buffalo backfield changes uh, with, with McCoy out because Gillisley was, was a very hot name off the waiver wire early on in the season, uh, as McCoy's backup because we expected him to get the carries and, and the touches, uh, the, the, the catches in Buffalo. Um, but then all of a sudden last week, Reggie Bush gets a goal line carry. I mean, the one thing that you think Gillisley would be doing better than Reggie Bush, and then Reggie Bush gets the goal line carry. What are you doing with Gillisley and Bush this week, Tony, assuming LaShawn McCoy is inactive? This is actually a funny question because uh... – I started McCoy last week, and he, he gave me, like, one or two points. And uh, even if he's active this week, I'm not playing him. You shouldn't have to play uh, Reggie Bush, but the other guy, uh, I think you can you can play him. But they're probably going to be down, like, double-digit to the Patriots all game. So I would look for another guy. And then one of the teams I'm starting, Robert Kelly, and is actually to replace uh, McCoy this week. So that's where uh, I'm at with the Buffalo running back situation. Just better options. Yeah, I'm totally with you on McCoy. I ended up starting him in a league last week at the last second when I can't remember who reported. It was either Rappaport or Schefter, like 10 minutes before lineups locked. And, and, and the, the tweet said something to the effect of McCoy should have his normal workload. Everything should be normal this week. Well, then I benched Gillisley uh, for LaShawn McCoy and obviously ended up regretting it. You bring up the point of game script with, with how New England and Buffalo will be attacking each other in this game. Remember, Buffalo shut out New England in Foxborough a few weeks ago. It was the last game before Tom Brady came back. That was the Jacoby Brissett, uh, his last start, uh, that he was playing with that injured thumb. Um, and New England got shut out. We all know the narrative of New England really wanting to, to take it to the NFL. Obviously, Belichick and the Patriots certainly want to take it to Rex Ryan this coming weekend. If New England does get up early, if they do get up 17 nothing, 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, then I think you have to look at Mike Gillisley not really being in the game a whole lot um, and Tyrod Taylor being forced to – we don't know if Robert Woods is playing. Justin Hunter could be the number one receiver this week. We don't know if Marquise Goodwin's playing. It sounds like he's not. 
what weapons does Buffalo have? Maybe they have to put Reggie Bush out there because he's actually a threat in the passing game where Gillisley's not. Maybe the shark move, and I think you have to really, really be desperate to do this. But again, six teams on by, you, you never know what's possible when a when a uh, a wounded animal is painted into a corner. I don't know if you can do this, but Reggie Bush actually could be a shark play this week and end up with you know half a dozen catches or maybe even more. Yeah, I haven't really thought about Reggie Bush that way but yeah it could happen but for us ffpc guy i mean he wasn't on our roster i doubt anybody uh picked up bush and it's probably too late to pick him up now i think we're 43 minutes past the deadline for waiver wires so yeah we definitely are you you if you don't have him on your roster now you won't be able to play him in ffpc this week um but uh certainly i mean it, it wouldn't surprise me to see it happen i probably end up We'll end up playing Gillisley. In fact, I think one league I'm playing Rob Kelly and Mike Gillisley as my starting two running backs uh, because I have uh, Ajayi and um, uh, Le'Veon Bell on a bye. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Let's talk about that Chargers game again. Hunter Henry upgraded to full in yesterday's practice. Uh, he also practiced in full again today. So it sounds like Hunter Henry will be good to go against Denver in mile high this weekend. Antonio Gates... One of Philip Rivers', uh, Rivers favorite targets for his entire career this year, no different. But Henry's actually been playing very well this year, a guy that Rivers has looked to. So when you look at this matchup, uh, Tony, with Denver and San Diego, San Diego is going to have to pass to move the ball, especially if they get down. If Tlaib and Harris are blanketing Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin, uh, the stuff that could be open underneath and over the middle will be Gates and Henry. How would you treat those guys in regards to your starting lineups this week? Uh, I think Hunter Henry would be the better play. Uh, he's, he's definitely younger. He's more hungry. Uh, but how much of it is really like teams weren't really defending Henry for the first few weeks, but now they're probably catching on. They probably have some sort of game plan coverage going towards Henry instead of Gates. So, uh, this is actually pretty tough. I wouldn't start none of them on any of my teams. Actually, one team that I do have Hunter Henry, I'm benching him and Zach Ertz. And I'm starting Jason Witten. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that makes sense. Um, you, you would think that with Philadelphia talking about Witten, you would think Philadelphia would be concentrating uh, their uh, defense on Beasley and Des Bryant, uh, as, especially as, as successful as Philadelphia's corners have been um, by and large for most of the season. You would think that that would be where they target to try to shut down uh, Dallas. Uh, I think Witten could make for an interesting start. I own Zach Ertz uh, on a team, uh, one team this year. I, I, I'm pretty close to giving up on him. I don't know what, what's going on, why he cannot find fantasy value on that team, but uh, Jordan Matthews has been dealing with a, some knee tendonitis most of the season. Nelson Aguilar and Doriel Green-Beckham have been inconsistent at best. And Carson Wentz, you know, save maybe one game, has looked really, really good. I, I just, I, I'm finding it hard to understand why Ertz is not playing better than uh, than he actually is, Tony. Yeah, I actually thought Zach Ertz was going to be like a target monster in Philly, and it's yeah, it's been disappointing to say the least. Uh, yeah, like like you said, uh, the Philly quarterback it looked like he got some game. Uh, they're throwing the ball a ton, but I haven't really seen any uh, receiving options for fantasy yet. I'm not. I'm not gonna buy into them. I'm not starting any of their players this week, besides probably uh, Philly's defense and maybe Ryan Matthews. That's it. 
Well, another guy that's been underwhelming this year for what seems like the third or fourth year in the row, or maybe as long as he's been in the league, has been Michael Floyd. He has a hamstring issue. He did not practice yesterday. Uh, It's beginning to look like he's actually going to miss the game against Carolina on Sunday. If that is the case, it sounds like John Brown, back from the sickle cell trait, will be uh, good to go. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is going to get a ton of targets there. But maybe J.J. Nelson is a guy that you would look at as well. So when you look at this game on Sunday with the Carolina Panthers, uh, they have been prone to giving up uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards passing this year. I think about the Matt Ryan game when he lit him up for 500. Uh, They've given up another 400-yard game besides that. So Carson Palmer could really get back on track here in this game. Now, if he does, where are the targets? Where's the yardage going to? Is it all the fits, or do you have some John Brown or J.J. Nelson love this week for Arizona? I think Fitz is going to get a share of the targets, but they're not going to be those 60. 70-yard bomb is going to go to John Brown and J.J. Nelson for sure. I mean, the game plan going into Carolina and beating them, their only weakness is the back four. You're going to have to throw the ball deep. And uh, even if Palmer hit half of those passes, you know, those make pretty big days for John Brown and J.J. Nelson. I think uh, they will be good flex plays and could probably win some teams some weeks this week. Yeah, I think Nelson is a guy that, that not a lot of people are talking about. And I think it's because people – um, players are thinking that Floyd is going to play. Now, obviously, if Floyd plays, J.J. Nelson is almost impossible to start. But if he doesn't, and John Brown is, is a little hobbled coming into this game, um, J.J. Nelson is a guy that uh, certainly has the talent to uh, to get it done. I think of um, uh, Danny Mueller, who obviously is, is a longtime FFPC player. Uh, he and I did a show for Rotoviz in the offseason, and Danny is not one to give away information when he can avoid it but we were talking about the 28 round draft experts leagues and uh matt friedman uh who was the host of that show actually asked him well who's a deep sleeper who's a guy uh that players should be looking at uh this game uh, or this year uh as as a potential uh, sleeper and danny didn't really want to give it away but finally he said you know what jj nelson he's a guy i've been picking up in a lot of leagues and he could actually make some noise this week if Floyd is out. So if, if you are in a pinch and you are looking for somebody to start as that second flex, you could do a lot worse than J.J. Nelson. Let's move on and talk about last night's game briefly from an Allen Robinson standpoint. He catches six of 15 targets from Blake Bortles, gets 70 yards in uh, that debacle last night. They only lost by two touchdowns, but so much of that yardage, so many of those points came in the uh, final half of the fourth quarter. Uh, And really all of Robinson's production uh, came in the garbage time section of the game. Blake Bortles, we talked about how bad his passes were going to not just Robinson, but really everybody on that offense. We saw Allen Robinson throw his helmet against some sort of um, contraption where they keep, you know, the the tape and the braces and, and everything the trainers need on the sideline, launched his helmet into that. Uh, Allen Robinson's actually been dropping more passes this year than last, and his route running has certainly left something to be desired. Really seems like it, along with Bortles regressing, maybe Robinson has been regressing a little bit as well. We talked about how Bortles is really the linchpin of uh, Jacksonville's success, Jacksonville's struggles. What are you doing with Allen Robinson in Dynasty Leagues, Tony? Is he a guy that you would be looking to move right now, knowing that Jacksonville uh, is committed to Blake Bortles at least for the next two years uh, with with his uh, with his rookie contract. Is he a guy that you would be looking to uh, to move on from 
um, if you can get something close to equal value right now. Yeah, definitely. I would look to uh, move Allen Robinson. Uh, I did a few startups this year, and I didn't uh, draft him in any of my teams. Uh, the quarterback situation is real bad. If I can get 75 to 80 cents on a dollar for him, I'll definitely trade him. I actually saw a trade with Allen Robinson not too long ago for uh, Le'Veon Bell. I think the trade was Allen Robinson plus Dante Moncrief for Le'Veon Bell. At that time, everybody thought the person getting Le'Veon Bell was crazy. But if you look at it now, he, he probably got a good deal. What's your opinion, as long as we're talking about dynasty trades that involve receivers for tight ends, do you think, and I know the shelf life with, with receivers is much longer than, than running backs in dynasty, do you think sometimes people overvalue receivers a little bit too much because they know that they don't face uh, the the game uh, after game pounding that running backs do. Do you think that sometimes it, you can actually get pretty good deals like that owner looks like he did now in getting Le'Veon Bell in exchange for Allen Robinson? Yeah, definitely. I think like 99% of dynasty players value wide receivers a lot more than running backs. And uh, I think it's probably the way it should be, to be honest. You look at the running backs this year, who's really – putting up major numbers, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, but you have to miss three games from him. Elliott, uh, he's looking like a stud, but besides that, who else? So I think, yeah, Dynasty, I think wide receivers do hold a big edge compared to running backs. Fair enough, and I, uh, I would agree with that. That is all for the news section of the show in Fantasy Flash. We're going to take another uh, quick break. It'll be our final break of the show. We're going to come back, answer your emails, tweets, Everything else coming up on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman and Tony Pong on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Week 8 of the NFL is here, and we here at the HSFF Hour are here to help you through it. We have some emails that we want to get to tonight, so let's go ahead without further ado and get to them. You've got a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at HSFF Hour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com or at HSFF Hour on Twitter. Mr. X747, Tony Pong, hanging out with me, sitting in for Dave Gerzak tonight on the HSFF Hour. Let's kick things off for the email section of the show with Dean in Stone Mountain, Georgia. He writes, after that awful game against Denver, do you think Brock Osweiler will be able to give Will Fuller starter caliber fantasy numbers against Detroit this week? Thank you for the email, Dean. And uh, specifically, it's, it's weird that we get a question about you know, Osweiler uh, stinking it up. Everybody wants to know, well, how does that affect DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, it's interesting to get one about Will Fuller this week. I think, uh, personally, with, with six teams on by, uh, Fuller actually makes for a decent, uh, you know, top 30 option this week in fantasy. I think that you can plug him in there uh, against that Detroit uh, secondary and, and hope for some pretty good things. I think Osweiler bounces back. One of the things I always talk about on this show numerous times Nobody is ever as good as they look in one game. Nobody is ever as bad as they look in one game. Remember Brock Osweiler facing up uh, against one of the best 
defenses in the NFL, a defense that knows his game very well. So, and, you know, the fact that it was on prime time, I think sometimes it gets a little bit overblown as to uh, how bad he, uh, a player is or how good a player he is. I think he bounces back this week. I'm starting DeAndre Hopkins. I would start Will Fuller as well. I have, uh, I have pretty good confidence in both those guys producing, you know, 14, 15, 16 fantasy points this week. And, and I know that's not going to light the world on fire, but I think that's closer to the floor than the ceiling. Yeah, I think uh, every I think everybody expected Brock to have a bad game last week in Denver. I mean, they were probably all gunning for him. But uh, Will Fuller is actually a name that uh, that came to my attention after watching a few games this year. Uh, if he can catch the ball, he's getting his uh, share of looks from Brock. And those deep plays, I mean, you just got to catch it. I think he can actually uh, put up very decent numbers this week. He's actually a sneaky play. He, I would say him and um... – Tajay Sharp were, t- were two rookie receivers that a lot of people um, believed in right away this year, um, you know, after we saw it for a couple of weeks. Well, Sharp had that big week one, and he he's really hasn't done anything since then. And Fuller obviously was dealing with the, uh, with the injury. Um, he, I remember he was active for that primetime game and, and never even got in the game. So I think he will be healed up from that. He will be ready to go. Uh, and certainly Detroit is going to have problems uh, covering both those guys effectively for 60 minutes. Uh, let's go to Tanner in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Balky and Tony, I really can't afford to have all three running backs from Chicago on my roster with all these bye weeks. How would you rank them the rest of the way? Thanks, guys. That's Tanner in Columbus, Ohio. So Jeremy Lankford starts the season. He gets hurt, and Jordan Howard steps in. He has a couple of really good games. And then he sort of gets outplayed by Kadeem Carey the last two games. So it seems like it's been a constant changing of the guard in uh, the Chicago backfield. Now, I don't expect to glean any kind of good information on Monday night when they uh, host the Vikings because I, I think that Chicago is not only not going to be able to run the ball against them, I don't think they're going to be running the ball uh, too much. I think that they will be throwing in that game, especially in the second half. Uh, I, I'm sort of excited to see what Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey do in the second half that game for fantasy purposes. But certainly uh, for the Bears running backs, it's very difficult for me to um, project what they're going to do uh, the rest of the season based on this Vikings game. If I had to guess, I would probably rank them uh, carry then Langford, then Howard. Uh, I know Howard had those really good games. Remember, John Fox, for whatever reason, just would, would rather cut off his right arm than play rookies and for whatever reason. And Howard is still a rookie. So I feel that Langford gets the benefit of the doubt there. He will be um, next in line if Kerry falters. Uh, but Kerry's been playing well the last couple of weeks, so I would rank him first, Langford second, and Howard third. How do you uh, think those Chicago running back uh, – how the how do – how does the Chicago running back situation shake itself out, Tony? And which of these guys are you or would you be rostering on your teams? Well, finally, uh, I disagree with uh, the rankings with these players. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't want to own any of these running backs from the Bears. Uh, I think there will be better options like Chris Thompson and Robert Kelly. You can probably still grab them from your uh, waiver wire. But if I have to choose, I'll probably go with uh, Jordan Howard first and then Langford and then uh, Kerry. At least Howard showed something this year when he got the workload. Uh, Carey, I think he's just going to play uh, second to whoever's going to start. But like you said, 
John Fox is crazy. Like, <laughs> you just got to stick with one back and just play him, you know? Like, Howard did good, and all of a sudden he didn't get carries. And then now you're throwing carry in the mix, and then you dump Forte for Langford, and, and it's still a big mess. I don't know what John Fox is thinking, but, yeah. Uh, better options out there, but if I were to pick, I would probably stick with Jordan Howard. You know, the other thing, too, is I, I think you can you can start making the case not only to, to not roster these Bears running backs – you can probably make the case to start dropping these Detroit running backs that, that are not named Theo Riddick. Dwayne Washington comes back this week um, to uh, you know take touches away from Justin Forsett and Zach Zenner. I know Zenner had a, had a pretty good uh, game in week seven. But you look at what Detroit's been doing there, and it seems like they're, they're just giving everybody an opportunity. And when you give everybody an opportunity in that backfield, it takes away – um, the opportunity for fantasy players to plug one of those guys in their lineup. So I think that much in the same way that you can probably move on from the Bears' backfield, you can probably start moving on from the Lions' backfield. And with all the bye weeks, we're coming into the meat of the bye week season. I think a lot of fantasy players will be doing that as well. Speaking of the Lions, let's go to Al in San Francisco, California. He writes, hello, Friday fantasy friends. I know these guys have missed several weeks, but would you guys have any qualms starting Eric Ebron or Dante Moncrief right away in their first games back Sunday. That's Al in San Francisco, California. Thank you for the email, Al. Tony, I know you said uh, that you would not be starting um, a a guy – who were we talking about earlier in the show coming back? Des Bryant. You said that you would um, be nervous starting him in his first game back from injury. I'm assuming that you would also be nervous about starting Ebron and Moncrief in their return to uh, to the game field after missing several weeks from uh because of injury well first i think ebron's a bust i wouldn't start him anyways but i'm on creep i should have him one of my uh my other main event teams and uh, i'm starting the likes of well of course you're going to start mike evans i'm starting jeremy macklin Pryor, and ty uh montgomery from green bay packers and i'm leaving Moncrief on the bench just because i don't know what i'm going to expect from him with the snaps i don't want to start him and he gets like 15 snaps and four points. I don't want, I'm not taking that chance. I need to see one good week before I can uh, start Moncrief. There's Ebron. I I don't know. If redraft leagues, I would drop him. Dynasty, I might hold him for, for another year. But yeah, Ebron, I'm not starting him for sure. I think I brought this up on the show too uh, in the past. And since the World Series is going on and since Dave is not here, I'll make another baseball reference. Usually when when baseball players, when they come off the DL for fantasy purposes, if it's a hitter, I'll plug him in right away his first game back. I mean, these guys have been rehabbing every day uh, in the minors. They're They're ready to go. Pitchers, it's a different story. I'm always nervous about starting a pitcher in his first start back off of the DL, and I think that's how I like to treat NFL players, especially because these coaches like to give the, they don't like to give them a full workload right away, by and large, unless you're like sort of a transcendent talent like Le'Veon Bell or Adrian Peterson, I think then it's a little bit different. When you're talking about Eric Ebron and Dante Moncrief coming back from these injuries, I think that snap count does play, and I, I think that there is something to be said uh, that Moncrief and Ebron not only might not be on the field as much as we would like them if we're plugging them in our starting lineups, but they might not be doing uh, as much with the football or getting the targets that we need them to get to get points to you know make sure that we're winning our matchups or putting up good scores at a minimum. So I think that if you can, again, six teams on by, there's a lot of problems with a lot of lineups this week. If you can afford it, 
keep these guys on your bench another week, uh, or just flat out cut Ebron. I think that <laughs> that's that's a, certainly a viable option as well. The way he has played this season, Jeremy in Maple Shade, New Jersey. He writes: Tyler Lockett has been wasting away on my bench all season, but is this the weekend to start him against the Saints? Good luck in your leagues. Thanks for the email, Jeremy in Maple Shade, New Jersey. Uh, Tony. Tyler Lockett was a breakout guy. A lot of people bumped him up their draft boards as we got closer to the start of the NFL season, a guy that looked really good the second half of 2015. Many people expect him to take a step forward. Uh, He's had that knee issue, and he really hasn't taken that step forward. But does he get right this week when Seattle takes on that uh, uh, poor secondary, really poor defense overall of the New Orleans Saints? Chances are good. I mean, a shootout's going to take place. I mean, Drew Brees, the Saints. Uh, I think the numbers are going to go to Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, and Taylor Lockett. Uh, but one thing I want to uh, say with about Lockett is I don't think it's him this year. I think it's more with uh, Russell Wilson. He's not scrambling as much, creating those extra seven seconds, and then Lockett can run deep and he'll throw a bomb. I think I'd do it more with Wilson's injury than Lockett's injury. But uh, chances are good. Uh, he probably get a lot of stats this this week playing the Saints at New Orleans. I'll say this about the Seattle offense as well, as long as you bring up Wilson, because I, I think that there is something to be said. I, I just read today that um, Wilson was supposed to be the injury he had. He was supposed to miss four weeks, and I don't think he's missed any weeks. Uh, he's played right through it, and obviously you can expect a downtick in his production uh, when he does have that mobility issue. But I'll say this, in addition to that, I think about uh, Marshawn Lynch's uh, struggles last year before sort of the, the uh, dawn of Thomas Rawls to, to the fantasy world. Uh, the Seattle running game was struggling. Kristen Michael's been really, really good this year, so they've had that to rely on. Uh, Doug Baldwin has not, if you look at it from a fantasy point uh, standpoint, he actually is behind last year's pace. But remember, he had 14 touchdowns last year. Touchdowns are fluky, and I think that Baldwin is still getting uh, a ton of targets, a ton of receptions, a ton of yards in that offense. I think a lot of people expected Baldwin to regress a little bit. And from a, again, from a fantasy points perspective, he has. From a target share, again, I'm I, I'm going off of um, what it seems like to me. I, I I could be wrong on this, but it seems like uh, he. Uh, has has not regressed as much a lot of, as a lot of people thought. And for God's sake, Jimmy Graham. I mean, holy God, this guy has come back uh, to to become almost as good as he was that final year in New Orleans. He was just an absolute train wreck last year, and Lockett benefited from that. He has not been able to take advantage this year because Graham has been very good. So I think that if Lockett does does nothing against the Saints this week feel free to drop him and move on because I don't know if he'll get a better matchup the rest of the season. Mike in West Palm Beach, Florida, just saw the total on the Packers-Falcons game is 53. Are there any players you aren't playing in this game? Thanks to the email, Mike. Uh, Tony, there's a lot of of fantasy owners that are going to have their eyes glued on this game. In, uh, in the afternoon. There's only two afternoon games on Sunday. It's the Denver-San Diego game and then the Green Bay-Atlanta game. And uh, I think for fantasy purposes, uh, more people will have action on uh, the Packers receivers, uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman with Tevin Coleman, probably not going to play. There's a lot of action. Are there any players that you would not be playing in this game that, uh, again, that are probably rostered in most FFPC redraft leagues right now? 
uh, besides their both teams' defense, you got to start every single player that's going to be uh, taking the field in this matchup. I mean, Julio Jones, Freeman, Matt Ryan. I mean, it gets a little tricky with the Green Bay wide receivers. I mean, you have like three or four of them that gonna got needs to have the workload to put up numbers. Adams had a big week. Cobb had a big week. Uh, T.Y. out of the running back positions, putting up some solid numbers. Nelson had a – he's actually on quite a few of my teams, and he did shit last week. But uh, you got to you gotta probably start all of them and just hope that, uh, that that's the receiver that Rodgers is looking to throw to. What about um, if you own Mohamed Sanu? Would you be playing Sanu in this game? Definitely. I forgot about that name. Uh, Green Bay's cornerbacks aren't the best, and I don't think they – grew any taller or gotten any better the last week or two. So Sanu's another good name. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. He's actually probably going to see uh, as much target as Julio, unless Julio have one of his typical 15-reception, 200-yard games. It's tough for me, to, especially in FFPC formats, to um, uh, recommend that you – sit Jacob Tammy because I think he could be successful. And remember, you know, to the end of, of Green Bay's cornerbacks, their top three, Sam Shields, uh, Demarius Randall, and Quentin Rollins, all out for this game. So the number one receiver uh, right now in fantasy, you could certainly make the case it's Julio Jones, is going to be facing up against the number four cornerback for Green Bay and Ladarius Gunter. So, and, uh, you know, I was at the game a couple of years ago in, in 2014 when the Packers were crushing it at halftime against Atlanta, and Matt Ryan passed them right back into the game, and Julio Jones had, you know, like 260 receiving yards that game. I don't know what the over-under is on his receiving yards this game, but I'll take the over. I think Julio crushes it this week. I think Matt Ryan has a big game. Aunt Jemima uh, brought this up in the chat room. Uh, he would not be starting Don Jackson or Niall Davis. I agree with that. I would not be playing either of those guys again. Uh, like you said, Tony, a lot of passing in this game. I don't think that Green Bay is uh, going to be able to uh, run the ball successfully uh, with either of those guys for the majority of the game. Maybe they're able to do it uh, as a combination, um, but certainly they sort of cannibalize each other's value, so I'm not playing either of those guys. And the other thing to keep an eye on in this game, and this will affect what people do with their Green Bay receivers, uh, Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb, both listed as questionable for this game. Ty Montgomery with an illness, I would imagine that he gets over that or he plays through it. Uh, and then Randall Cobb, I don't know if they're just managing his reps. Uh, I think he does go, but certainly that is worth paying attention to. Um, it is a late game, so... You know, if, if you have a similar option, which I don't know if you will between those guys, you might want to think about going with them if they play at one. But uh, certainly it's something worth keeping an eye on Sunday morning uh, with those guys. Final email of the night. Dear Mr. X747 and Mr. X Balkman, the bye weeks have hit <laughs> me hard this week. I need to either play Justin Hunter at home against New England or Tyrell Williams at Denver. Any advice? Love your show, Balky. That is Ben in Southfield, Michigan. Thank you for the email and the kind words. Ben, I appreciate you listening. So the, the question here is Justin Hunter, again, who could be the number one receiver for Buffalo this week against the Patriots in a game where New England uh, might get up big early and Buffalo will have to pass a lot to stay uh, you know, competitive in this game. I look at uh, Tyrell Williams, as we've talked about on this show already, uh, could struggle against that Denver pass defense uh, that uh, has been so dominant this season and last season. I'm assuming, Tony, well, I won't, I won't assume. I'll ask you. I'm playing Hunter in this case. Which one are you playing? 
Ah, we're agreeing again. Definitely Justin Hunter. I mean, who do Buffalo have besides uh, Clay? And no one, no one else really is going to uh, step on the field and run those routes. It's going to be Justin Hunter. They're going to be down like 14 points all game. And they're just going to pass, pass, pass. So I'm going Justin Hunter all the way. And I would say, too, that the other thing with Hunter is Taylor's already been looking at him in the red zone, and he's a big guy. I mean, he can go up and get it, too. So uh, maybe we see uh, a similar game to what we saw in Jacksonville uh, with the Titans last night where where Taylor struggles most of the game, uh, but then when New England switches to more of a prevent, uh, Taylor ends up putting up numbers. Maybe Hunter's the beneficiary of uh, a touchdown, maybe two, uh, but hopefully some targets, receptions, and yards in this game for Ben in Southfield, Michigan. That is going to do it for our show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tony, I want to thank you. You did a, such a great job tonight, uh, 75, well, almost 75 minutes here, uh, co-hosting live from Taiwan. I want you to uh, go out and enjoy your Saturday, enjoy your weekend. Uh, I'm very appreciative of, of you taking some time on your Saturday morning uh, to, to spend it with me, hang out with me. And good luck in the main event, man, sixth place. Uh, you, you certainly could do some damage there. Good luck with all of your teams this year. It seems like you are off to a great start and could end up winning a lot of cash in December. Thank you for having me on the show, Eric, and good luck to everyone out there. A little shout-out to uh, FFPC Dynasty uh, League 8. Some good owners over there. And uh, anytime you want me back, Eric, just send me an email. I'm always going to be I, <laughs> I certainly appreciate that, and I definitely will. Best of luck to you this weekend. Thanks again, man. All right, cool. Thank you. Tony Pung, Mr. X747. You wanted to know who he is? That's who he is. Great to have him on tonight. Great show. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Uh, Dave Gerzak will actually be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, so we will have him back in the studio. I want to thank Tony for hanging out with me tonight, for doing the show. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, you, all of our listeners. Uh, 2015 Football Guys Players Championship, second runner-up, $20,000 winner, Kevin O'Connor, will actually be on the high-stakes lowdown next Thursday, rotoviz.com slash radio. We'll have another guest on the show as well. Get those lineups started early. Redskins and Bengals, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning, uh, and enjoy week eight. Have a happy and safe Halloween. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight, and everything is all... I think anybody who's listening to this show tonight understands that the list of people that could easily replace Dave Gerzak as my co-host has grown one name deeper tonight. Mr. X747, Tony Pong, the leading contender to take over for Dave Gerzak on the show. All right, enjoy week eight, everybody. We'll be back again next Friday.